Today's episode is brought to you by Cap'n Crunch's latest offering, Cap'n Crunch. Oops, those aren't berries. Pick up a box at your local grocery store today. All right, let's turn it up. From the Florida border up to Nashville, Tennessee, this is Skinnerd Reconsidered, the Leonard Skinnerd podcast. You know the one. I am your host, The Simple Man, and thank you for joining me, Captive Birds. Uh, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we're dropping the Captive Birds. A couple reasons. Some of you out there have left the house. You're out having fun. A lot of states have lessened their restrictions of this quarantine, so you have broken out of the birdcage. You've flapped your wings, flown the coop. There, that's a metaphor that actually works. You flew the coop. But for the rest of us, those of you like me who are still staying home, you know what I'm thinking? We were never captive birds, okay? Maybe we're stuck at home, but we're still free in our minds, man. Think about that. You can't hold us down. You may confine us to one space, but we've got music. We've got podcasts. We've got our imaginations. We're free as birds. Free birds. A chair is making a lot of noise. I hope the, the old mic isn't picking that up. It's kind of gone from that fart noise. I hate saying fart. To just sort of a general squeaky noise. So either way, it's a lot of fun. All right, today I want to introduce the honkettes to you. You know about the honkettes? You're going to hear them for the first time today, I think. But the honkettes are a trio of female backing vocalists. The honkettes were Cassie Gaines, JoJo Billingsley, and Leslie Hawkins. They joined Leonard Skinner in either late 1975 or early 1976. And the reason I say I think they made their first appearance on today's song, which is called Double Trouble, is because that's what I always thought. Many sources confirm that for me. But I did read something somewhere that the female background singers on this song, on this album, were not actually Cassie, JoJo, and Leslie. Maybe they were billed as the Honkettes, but maybe they were other people. If anyone knows, please write in and, and set me straight. There's only so much time I'm going to spend on Google searching honkettes. And I ran out of time, so I'm not sure. But they sure as hell sang this song on the tour, the Gimme Back My Bullets tour, and they became a big part of the Skinner sound. So why not tell you everything you ever wanted to know about the honkettes today? JoJo Billingsley joined Skinner because a friend of hers was doing the lights for the band, and he turned her name into them, and she was invited to meet the band at a concert in Nashville. JoJo says, quote, It was there I met Ronnie Van Zant for the first time, and he hired me on the spot. When I entered the room backstage where he was sitting with his bare feet propped up on a table, he took one look at me, tipped his hat back, smiled and said, She'll do just fine, and hired me without ever hearing me sing. End quote. That's how you do it, Ronnie. He was so particular about every single 
note that his band played. But I guess he liked the way this particular lady looked, and she was in as a honkette. JoJo Billingsley knew Cassie Gaines from their time playing together in a bar in Memphis. So that's how Cassie Gaines became a part of this story. Cassie had never heard of Skinnerd at the time. Isn't that amazing? Meanwhile, Leonard Skinnerd happened to be JoJo's favorite band. Speaking of amazing, you join your favorite band? Pretty great. Leslie Hawkins was the third piece. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not calling a woman a piece. I mean like the piece of a puzzle. But Leslie Hawkins was the third one to join. She had sang back up for Wet Willie, and they brought her aboard. And there you have it. And the Honkettes made a huge impact on the band's sound from this song through to the, the rest of the Prime Skinner career. Cameron Crowe, the famous movie guy and former writer for Rolling Stone, you've seen Almost Famous, you, you get it. He said, quote, The feeling that the girls brought to the tours was great. Everybody would talk about how they gave the tours a woman's touch. It helped move the band more toward being a responsible unit with an eye to the future. It made them more roadworthy, end quote. And of course, Cassie Gaines' additional contribution to Skinnerd came when she recommended that her brother, Steve, sit in on the guitar. But we will get to that next album. You will hear a lot about that from me. You will be very tired of it, trust me. And speaking of skipping forward, at the time of the plane crash, JoJo Billingsley was not traveling with the band, but Leslie Hawkins and Cassie Gaines were. JoJo stated that she had a dream two nights before the plane crashed, where she saw it all happen. She attempted to warn the other band members not to get on the plane. Supposedly, she made contact with Alan Collins, who said, basically, yeah, we know the plane is in bad shape. We're just taking it on one more flight, then we will switch. And there are a lot of stories where you hear that the guys were only committed to one more flight, and then they were done with that plane. Unfortunately, that one more flight is the one that, that did him in. Cassie Gaines initially refused to get on the plane, but she was convinced by other band members to do so, specifically Ronnie. Her hesitation was due to a, a fire that was on one of the engines the previous day. Seems like a good reason. She had decided instead to travel on the tour trucks, but she did end up boarding the flight due to Ronnie's persuasion. Ronnie, it seems, could be very persuasive. And if you're interested, this series of events was later dramatized in the great Drive-By Trucker song written by Mike Cooley called Shut Up and Get on the Plane. Check out that song. And as we all know, the plane crashed. Leslie Hawkins was seriously injured. And tragically, Cassie Gaines was killed along with her brother, Steve Gaines. Cassie actually survived the initial crash, but she bled to death while rescuers attempted to reach the accident site and remove the victims and get them help. There's a story that Billy Powell held her while she died, but that has been debated, probably because Billy made up some other stories about the crash, specifically one about Ronnie that upset Ronnie's widow. And again, we'll get into that next season. So many 
teasers here. So that was October 1977. And you won't believe this. Or maybe you will by now. Maybe you get it by now. But that was in October 1977. On February 15th, 1979, the mother of Steve and Cassie Gaines, her name was also Cassie Gaines, she was killed in a car accident right next to the cemetery where Steve and Cassie are buried. She was buried near her children. So many crashes. It's never-ending. When I started this podcast, I knew the basics, but I had no idea. I should have named this podcast Crash. Like that movie that I never saw, but I hate for some reason. You ever hate anything you don't know much about? I guess that's the root of racism and misogynistic behavior and... I like to think I'm not any of those things. I just funnel it all into pop culture. Let's listen to Double Trouble. This one was written by Alan Collins and Ronnie Van Zant. It was released as a single, and it peaked at number 80 on the Billboard Hot 100. So hot. According to the book Whiskey Bottles and Brand New Cars, The Fast Life and Sudden Death of Leonard Skinner by Mark Robowski, which I have not read. The genesis for this song came from a time when Gary Rossington was in jail with Ronnie. And he asked Ronnie, how many times have you been arrested? To which Ronnie replied, 11 times. And Gary replied, man, you're double trouble. See, 11 times I've been busted, 11 times I went to jail. That's from the story that I told you guys. Remember, it was like 30 seconds ago. Do you remember that? But I think this is why people love Ronnie Van Zant. There's so many people that relate to his lyrics and he means so much to, to them. It's because he wrote about his life. He was very authentic and honest. And I don't mean to say that a song can't be good unless it's true to someone's experience, but that is what worked for Skinner. I think this song is off to a very hot start. Love that busy guitar, that chicken picking at the beginning, and then the cymbal work by my man Artemis Pyle. Let's get back into it. I gotta stop there. I love the history and music of the singer going right to the cusp, saying a dirty, filthy word. But luckily, the background singers are there to stop it, keep it from happening. The most famous example has to be Shaft, right? Bad mother, shut your mouth. You see this cat Shaft is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Also think of the radio version of the Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre classic from The Chronic. For those 90 rap fans out there, all two of you, where Dr. Dre is about to say the exact same filthy word, 
S word. Shit. But Snoop cuts him off by saying, Shh. At the same time with the dope rhyme that I kick, you know and I know I feel some old funkish. Think those guys were Skinner fans, maybe? Influenced by Skinner? I seriously doubt it. Sing it, ladies. hitting all the marks with this one the spelling of a word specifically the word trouble i feel like i've heard that in a lot of songs i can't think of a single example so you'll have to take my word for it i can't think of the most famous song where a word is spelled and that would be r-e-s-p-e-c-t you guys ever heard of that one now i'm not spending another dollar 49 on yet another song why am I talking about all this? Anyway, it's a good song. I'm shaking my butt. I don't know about you guys, but I'm enjoying this. Sh- Woo! Well, I was born down in a gutter with a temper hard spot. Spent 90 days on the people just doing it again on this town. Well, now, even mama said, son, you Fuck you, mama. Let's check out the lyrics. Another thing I like about this song is I love a song with pretty sad, dark lyrics, but it just sounds like a happy, good time. I think that's what's happening here. After the bit about going to jail 11 times, jumping into Rosebush and come out smelling like shit, which by the way, why would you smell like shit after being in a bunch of roses? What am I missing there? Write in, let me know. But in the next verse, he says, those misters dressed in blue, which that's so great. I love that. Great way to describe the, the police, the fuzz, 5-0, the popo. I could go on. He says, those misters dressed in blue, never done so right by me. Some of the times I was innocent, but the judge said guilty. I'm not one to complain now, son, I tell you true. When the black cat cross your trail, Lord... It comes in misery times two. So Ronnie's still having a bad time on this song. He's afraid he's double trouble. Even his friends say it, or at least one friend, Gary Rossington. I think Ronnie knocked Gary's teeth out not once but twice. Might have something to do with Gary's assessment of the situation. But who am I to judge? Let's get back to the music. (laughs) 
Double Trouble by Leonard Skinnerd. That's a quick one. What are we at? A little bit shy of three minutes. You get in, you get out, you make your point, you travel on. I don't even mention the last verse. I, I've got to. He says, Ronnie says, well, I was born down in the gutter with a temper as hot as fire. So again, you have this true story of Ronnie being born into poverty. He did have a crazy temper. This doesn't explain it away, but it, it's nice that he acknowledges that, right? He has uh, some self-awareness there. And then a little later he says, Even Mama said, Son, you're bad news, and it won't be too long before someone puts one through you. I assume he means a bullet, that Ronnie's going to get himself killed for having this crazy temper. He's double trouble, free birds. How else can I say it? I'll rate this song, but before we do that, our sponsor today is Cap and Crunch. Oops, those aren't berries. Back in 1997, the Cap and Crunch factory experienced a traumatic event. Due to a programming error, the machines failed to produce any crunch, instead spraying an array of berries that threatened to fill the entire facility. Fortunately, this company is helmed by an 18th century naval captain who has seen it all. With employees panicking and the building on the verge of collapse, the man himself, Cap'n Crunch, emerged from the shadows and uttered these now famous words. Oops, all berries. Let's box them up and sell them to the people. Cap'n Crunch, oops, all berries, became a huge hit and all seemed well until health-conscious millennials began questioning whether Captain Crunch, Oops All Berries, contained any berries at all. And we are here today to come clean and admit our fault. There are no berries at all. We'll call that another oops. These so-called berries are actually best described as red, green, blue, and purple cereal pieces. And that's why we have renamed our delicious cereal, Cap'n Crunch. Oops, those aren't berries. So pick up a box today. Same great flavor, newer, more accurate name. That's fascinating to me. It's almost more of a short story than an ad. I actually really enjoyed that. Let's take a very quick look at songmeanings.com. We started with songmeanings.com, and I love to go back to it now like an old friend. There are only two comments, and I'll just read one. The second one was boring. But the first one said, Can't believe that no one has commented on this yet. This is one of Skinner's best songs. I'm not sure, but I think it could be a tribute to Stevie Ray Vaughan in Double Trouble, one of my favorite bands ever. And that's from Painkiller. 
on January 22nd, 2005. I'm going to make the obvious joke that Painkiller was on too many painkillers at the time, or just has no sense of time whatsoever, because obviously this song was recorded about a decade before Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble's rise to fame. You know this guy just loves Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble and happens to like this song and just wanted to somehow squeeze his opinion into this songmeetings.com comment. But it was not very artfully done. Check your calendars, free birds. Or at least painkiller. Check your calendar. One more thing before we go. I read a quote today from Ronnie that I thought was interesting about this album in general, not the song, but the album Give Me Back My Bullets. And I know there are a lot of people out there. I've learned there are some diehard Skinnerd fans who are very down on the production from Tom Dowd, who was a very famous producer who had made a ton of huge albums before this one. But a lot of people don't like what he did to Skinnerd's sound Felt that he kind of neutered Skinnerd, And to be honest, I, I think I do prefer the first three Skinnerd albums. And we're not at the end of our journey yet, but that is the way it looks so far. And this album is the only studio album by the prime Skinnerd lineup that still hasn't reached platinum or higher in the United States. Here's what Ronnie said about it, because you know that the guys loved Tom Dowd. They almost named the album Ain't No Doubt About It. But Ronnie Van Zant said, Tom is still the best and only producer for this group. We were going for a completely different sound, and it didn't work. We had always been so heavy and muddy, we decided to make a clean Leonard Skinnerd album. The material was good, it was just too refined. It's kind of interesting to me to hear Ronnie admit fault. That wasn't really his bag. But still defending Tom Dowd sticking behind their decision to move on from Al Cooper. It's time to rate the song. You can tell that I like this one. On a scale of 1 to 5 Skinnards, I'm going to go with 4.4 Skinnards. How does that hit you? Let me know what you think out there, free birds who are no longer captive. Thanks for checking in, and please join us next time. We'll listen to a song called Roll Gypsy Roll. But until then... I must be traveling on.